Hello and welcome to another episode of the Detox Podcast, a culture and conversation podcast where you can detox from the world around you and get a window into how other people live their lives. Come detox with detox. I'm your host, Joe Sean. Oh, have I got a treat for you today. I was so lucky to get a chance to talk to Rob Paulson, voice actor extraordinaire. You may have heard him as Yakko Warner on the Animaniacs. Pinky from Pinky and the Brain, Raphael from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Gusto Gummy, PJ Pete, so many great characters over the years, and I was able to get to talk to him on the show today about his life, his career, his book, how he overcame cancer, his upcoming projects. It is such a treat. I don't think you're ready for it. It was an incredible conversation. I'm so excited. Um, but without further ado, I do want to let you know that the Detox Podcast is brought to you by Empire Toys. That's right. Nostalgia is something everyone loves. And Empire Toys in Keller, Texas is on Nostalgia Overload. With toys and action figures from the 70s, 80s, 90s, and today, Empire Toys is a one-stop shop for a trip down memory lane and a chance to reclaim what was once yours, but likely sold at a garage sale. Check out Empire Toys on Facebook, Instagram, or at the Empire Toys. Now, without further ado, my conversation with Rob Paulson will be right up after this. They're Pinky and the host. Yes, Pinky and the host. One is a genius, the other's verbose. We've got Rob Paulson here. Your host, Joe Shaw, is near. They're pinky, they're pinky, and the host, 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 host. Nerve! Ba-da-ba-bum-bum, bum-bum. Yes! You're listening to the Detox Podcast. I am here with Rob Paulson. Rob, how are you doing today? I am breathing and I'm not in jail, Joe, so I'm good, but the day's not over yet. <laughs> a lot that's going to go wrong. Right. And very, really excellent lyrics, my friend. Good job. Thank you. Thank you. I uh, just thought of them and was like, you know what? I think, uh, I think there's some good play that can happen here. So I was like, let's just roll with it and let's see what happens. So I appreciate you being, uh, you going along the ride with me, but oh, Rob, I am so excited to have you on the show today. There's so many great things that you've been a part of in your life, in your career. I'm so excited to dig into all of them. Um, I do want to start out. So for those who may not know, here at the Detox Podcast, we invite listeners to quote unquote detox from the world around them so we can get a window into how other people live their lives. And so I like to ask the guests right at the start of the episode, uh, Rob, what are you currently detoxing from? Oh boy. Uh, well, I live in Southern California and what I'm detoxing from, which is inescapable, is our drought. Um, I live in an area that is, well, pretty much every area of SoCal right now is hammered at the, the whole state. What am I saying? So I'm, uh, we have a vacation place on the Central California coast and I'm currently, currently up here and uh, detoxing from the fact that there is no water where I live at home. Um, and so we're on really draconian water restrictions, which are utterly necessary, but um, it makes for a very um, uh, kind of crazy time when you're in a fire area with no water. Yeah. Uh, so that's why I'm detoxing at the moment. 
it is it just feels like year after year after year it's getting hotter earlier yeah. drier more frequently it is. i mean down here in texas it's been i mean it's oh, yeah it's, i think it was i think it hit 98 today if i recall correctly and it's just it's just brutal so i i completely understand and empathize and it is it's a lot it's a lot right now for yeah. sure oh it is now there's a lot of ways I kind of want to start um, your career. I think a lot of people are familiar, obviously, with your work with Animaniacs, Pinky and the Brain, right. Ninja Turtles. There's so many great things. Um, I am excited uh, to say, uh, so I haven't officially announced this, but in the near future, I'm actually going to have J uh, uh, Jason Marsden on, uh, who was oh, Max in Goofy Movie, yes. and then you were PJ. Was PJ. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So we're going to get both uh, in in different times. So uh, that's a hey, nice. Please nice give him my regards. I love that kid. Will do. He's awesome. He's awesome. Yes. And so uh, so that's a, a, a nice little treat for the listeners. But you've been. Uh, but I say all that to say you your resume is quite extensive. A huge part of my childhood growing up, and it's been it's been fun getting to start to reintroduce some of those amazing items like the Animaniacs to my own children uh, when oh, it released. Uh, in November of 2020, and I yes. was, I was in. I want to start there, so we'll kind of start with Animaniacs past and then current. Um, okay. But I was, I was so impressed with how, how it continued the the rich, like the rich comedy and tradition of both animation style, the jokes, it had the meta piece. I mean, everything that I loved about watching it in the 90s was continued on and then I, I feel expounded upon in 2020. So I want to know for you, what was it like working on the project initially and then returning back to the project all these years later? Both, uh, both circumstances were nothing but ridiculous gifts. Uh, I had a pretty good idea when I got the first batch of Animaniacs way back after the Civil War. Um, <laughs> that it was a show that was really going to uh, give me an opportunity to showcase my chops because I'm a singer, uh, I can sing in character. I knew that since it was Tom Ruger who had put together Tiny Toons along with Mr. Spielberg who was involved in that as well, that having those guys running the show, uh, we were going to get the best of everything and we did. Um, and then to get a chance to do it again, Joe, very very unusual circumstance to, to get Mr. Spielberg 25 years later to say we're going to do it again with a full orchestra again with Rob Tress, Jess and Maurice LaMarche again uh, and, and, it's, and it, it is a hit again is such a unique set of, of, of circumstances. It just doesn't happen that way. Right. Most of the time, um, I sh well, in my view, most of the time reboots generally don't end up being as successful as the first go around right uh for various reasons yeah but this one i think it's safe to say uh obviously i have some skin in the game but don't take my word for it take joe's and a pile of critics around the world who have said yep. this is pretty goddamn good yeah. and it is yeah. it really is good and so i i'm incredibly grateful and very proud to have been part of it it's huge gift you know, you, you bring up a good point with the, the fact that at times it's really difficult for a reboot to, to almost capture that lightning in a bottle that was Absolutely. originally there. And I think that's what's difficult. And what I was so impressed by 
watching Animaniacs. My kids loved it, and they were laughing and rolling on the floor in the same way that I was back in the day, and it was awesome to watch it through their eyes and then also through my my eyes. But it was, um, or and to that, it was interesting to see the, like, um, I feel like, in my, well, in my opinion, the more successful reboots, Animaniacs being one of them, is able to take what worked the first time and not try and replicate it word for word, right. like for like, but just be like, hmm, how would this logically grow in well 2020, said. 2021, 2022, as opposed right. to let's make it exactly the same. And that's where right. you can see yeah. it thriving. Yeah. Right. And I think, and that was by choice. Um, sadly, the, the, you know, the, the group of, of writers who were there at the beginning were not included in the reboot. And I, as much as I miss them, and, and admire them all. And they've all gone on to work every day and they're still working, doing great. But I think it was very smart for Mr. Spielberg to bring in a new crew who were younger, who grew up watching Animaniacs and Pinky and the Brain, but their grasp of the zeitgeist and their uh, um, ideas about, uh, you know, the modern memes and things that didn't exist 25 years ago, the internet, for God's sake, didn't really exist then. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and so I think they were very smart and the proof is in the pudding. The writers whom, uh, who were hired uh, by Warners um, and Amblin did a phenomenal job. Uh, they get the joke. They grew up on Animaniacs and completely understand the um, sensibilities of the show and the ways in which it would be, uh, um, the ways in which it would be most effective to put it into use today. And right. I, I'm telling you, they did a hell of a job. They did an excellent job. The, I knew I was in for a treat when the very, like, the very first episode opened the way it did. And I won't, I'll just tease that and folks can go watch it for themselves. But it hooked me. I'm a huge fan in general of that, of that scene. And so to replicate it in that way, I was like, oh, I'm in. It's already going to be sold. I'm well, sold. Me too. I mean, I, I, the first time I saw it, I called Trash McNeil afterwards. <laughs> I said, oh, my God, <laughs> this is so smart. It yeah, really yeah. is. They get it. They, they understand that we are 25 years later. They right. are self-aware. They acknowledge yes. 25 years later. And it's really smart. I agree. Well, taking that part of the career, let's wind the clock back a bit. And I want to know, so how, what was your first sort of forays into voice acting? How did you start down this career path? Obviously, you've had an incredible career, but what was some of those first early days like for you? Well, in LA, I came out here a million years ago, ostensibly to do live action. I was a singer who became an actor, a lot of theater and um, like a million other kids from, in my case, it was Michigan, uh, I came out here to do that, music, TV, commercials, movies, and that's what I was doing, uh, just starting to make a living. And then in the mid 80s, my agent called and said, have you ever thought about doing animation? I said, well, sure, I, I, I want to work. But in those right. days, animation wasn't nearly as ubiquitous as it is now. There were only Saturday morning on the three networks and some stuff on local TV that was syndicated. But I said, of course, I, I want to audition for anything. And the first shows for which I auditioned were G.I. Joe and Transformers uh, in about 1984, 85. And I'm telling you, Joe, the first thing I recognized was the fact that nobody cared what I looked like. Um, yes. When you're a non, 
uh, celebrity talent, you're generally, uh, at least initially, judged by your um, your value to this particular project by the way you look. Yeah. Do you look like you could be the son of the people they hired as the parents? Do you look like you'd be the brother of the girl they hired to be your your sister? Right. And then you know that you come in. So it's whether or not you fit the suit, and then can you act? But with animation, it's, it has nothing to do with that. I'm hired for characters that I would never in a million years be considered for on camera. And so when that happened, I told my agent, man, bring me in for as much of this as you can. And it took me about, I don't know, six years, seven years to finally just say, yeah, I'm just going to let the on-camera stuff go because I'm so busy doing this. I love doing it. I get to work with phenomenal actors and I get to be far more creative than I was in the on-camera world for my station because I'm not a celebrity. Um, but uh, so that's how that happened. And uh, I'm glad that I have the sort of ego that, I mean, don't get me wrong, I'm flattered that you're making a fuss over me and I'm flattered if anybody knows who I am. But the characters are famous. I don't draw them, I don't write them. I'm an integral part of it, but, uh, uh, and, and I'd be lying if I said when I'm recognized, I don't like it. It's, in, it's incredibly humbling and ridiculously flattering, but uh, it is not what drives me. And um, I, uh, I'm very grateful to have the gig that I have and looking forward to doing a lot more of it. I think that's, that's so interesting to me too, because in a previous episode I had Eric and Julia Leewald on who were integral in X-Men, the animated series, right? And they talked oh. about a lot of the voice actors and, and coming from Canada. And so I was interested to, because they talked quite a bit about the reasoning behind the studio's decision to cast Canadian actors versus American-based voice actors. So what, what has been maybe your experience like working with some of these different um, networks or companies who may have a preference? Because the union rights are a little bit different, obviously, yeah. with uh, Canadian voice actors and uh, getting paid up front and then American voice actors getting uh, royalties, if I'm remembering that correctly. Um, correct. So what, what has been your experience like kind of navigating the business of the business almost? Well, I don't really have any any problems navigating it because there is, I work for, under the auspices of the Screen Actors Guild and I have ever since I joined the union in 1979. Uh, so there's no real issue with trying to navigate working, uh, you know, um, with different countries' rules. I did do um, a series years ago uh, that was an unabashed knockoff of SpongeBob called um, Coconut Fred. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I was the only American actor in the bunch. That was something that was very unusual. They, they hired the bulk of the cast were in Canada. Yeah. Um, and I was the only American actor. I was the lead character. And I think we did, I don't know, 26 episodes, something like that. But it was just really odd. Um, but I didn't have to change my work or anything that I did. Uh, I, I used to be, uh, we did an animated version of the mask cartoon in the nineties in which I got to be Jim Carrey for a lot less money. And, uh, <laughs> uh, we Somebody did stop you. Yeah, we did do a crossover. <laughs> there was a, uh, an animated version of Ace Ventura that was done up in Toronto. And I remember going up there to do an episode where we did a crossover yeah. and, uh, Stanley Ipkiss and the mask showed up in that episode or that show. And the fellow who did the um, Ace Ventura in Toronto came and did a 
a crossover down here. But by and large, that's never an issue for me. I work on things that are American projects and the Canadians have their own stuff up there. That's interesting. Very cool. Um, now I want to know there's been so, so it's been interesting to me to introduce my own kids to, to different shows that you've worked on quite a bit, like, um, Chippendale rescue Rangers. We actually just yeah. started watching because the, the movie's dropping on Disney plus, well, we're recording on Thursday, May 19th. It's out May 20th. By the time people are listening to this, it's already out, but we're yeah. watch. you know, we're binging it in anticipation of the movie. And, um, and then also gummy bears. We've had that on constant repeat oh, in our house. That? So, Great. yeah, um, my wife and I actually found out that was one of the things that we bonded over early in our relationship was our mutual love of gummy bears. Uh -huh. And I thought that I was because every time I would bring up I'm going to go on a side tangent every time that I would bring up gummy bears to somebody else. I'd be like gummy bears, Saturday morning cartoons, like all this people or Disney afternoon, whichever it was. Yeah. People would look at me like I was making up something. They'd be like the that. candy. I'm like, no, no, the, the magical bears. Idiot. Yeah. Right. I would start singing the song, talking about gummy berry juice. They would just blank stares. Met my wife, made some comment about gummy bears, and she's like, Man, I wonder what that juice was made out of. And I'm like, oh, it's love. Oh my god. Love at first I sight. Fell in love. There you go. <laughs> so we've been introducing the kids to the gummy bears. They love it. They asked to watch it. All these classics. Is there some um and then of course I also grew up with the Ninja Turtles as well? Sure. Such a core component. Out of all those incredible characters, even the mask and everything else that you've met, Coconut Fred perhaps, is there <laughs> is there what are some of your favorite characters you've enjoyed voicing over the years? Well, it's pretty difficult to not like all of it because the whole job right. is well, I'm in the happy business. Um right. I have a particular affinity for uh, Yakko and Pinky. Of course. Uh, Yakko gets to sing. I'm a singer. Uh, Pinky gets to work with his friend Maurice Lamarche. Nerve. Um, <laughs> uh, being not one but two Ninja Turtles over the years is uh, is just, I mean, talk about an evergreen franchise that keeps on giving. That alone, having been part of that from the beginning, is a big deal. Yeah. Um, and then I got to be um, the mask, uh, at the, uh, the tick. I played Arthur. Um, yes. A lot of people really like Carl from Jimmy Neutron because he wants to finish his croissant. Um, <laughs> I've had, man, so many wonderful characters and half a dozen or so have become arguably iconic right. with Yoko and Pinky and Carl and Raphael and Donatello. Um, I, I'm, I've had my share, uh, but all of it, my God, rude dog and, yep. um, oh, GI Joe transformers. Um, and we talked about PJ, PJ, right? PJ from goof troop and the goofy movie, gummy bears, uh, chip and Dale rescue Rangers, uh, t tiny tune adventures, yep. uh, freakazoid. Oh my God. I've gotten to work on. So much stuff. Bump in the night, um, a stop yes. motion show for Disney. I mean, for uh, ABC. Um, yeah. So I, I have got biker mice from Mars. I was the lead in that. Great fun. I've, I've just had a, a hell of a run, and I'm, I'm so excited to keep it up. It's, it's incredible how often I hear your you pop up in different spots i think because yeah. like after you start listening you can you can be like well, i think that's rob i think rob's popping up in these different spaces and i head on over to imdb to confirm um now i know that you you talked about um 
how blessed you've been as well. Now I know I want to I want to pivot quite a quite a bit as well and talk about. So back uh, a few years ago, you were diagnosed with cancer. Yes, and not want, just cancer, wanna... not toe cancer, not ear right. cancer, not hair right. cancer, throat cancer. Surprise! Yes, we make plans Which... and God laughs. Exactly. So I mean. To have that type of a diagnosis in the career that you have with all of these incredible uh, roles that you've had the opportunity to play, how how did you approach the diagnosis? And then now that you are in remission, I'm I'm cancer free. It's it's cured. Cancer free. Yep. Perfect. Cancer free. So now going from the initial diagnosis to getting to cancer free, mm -hmm. walk us through, obviously that was a lot and a very, uh, very emotional journey, but yeah. walk us through what that was like for you to approach with all of your background in this work. Well, firstly, thank you for asking because now having uh, gone through it, I have a much deeper and much more authentic sense of empathy so that when I say to someone, man, I get it. I really get it. Um, right. And it's sadly one of those things that no matter uh, how much you you want to, you, you, there's only so much you can do uh, uh, without having actually been through the mill, so to speak. Right. Uh, but I was diagnosed um, because I had a lump on the left side of my neck, which didn't hurt. I was, had no problems working, no issues, uh, but I went to get it checked out and it turned out that it was stage three metastatic squamous cell carcinoma, which meant that it had already spread. And the lump was the area to which the cancer had spread from the primary tumor in my throat. So it was already spreading. Uh, but right away, I was told, although it's staged at three, we've got it. We know what to do. We know exactly how to treat it. We're virtually sure we can cure you. Um, but before we do, we almost have to kill you. Um, the treatment is pretty intense for obvious reasons, throat, swallowing, eating, radiation burns you up pretty good. The chemo can make it difficult, but, uh, I'll tell you what, I never freaked out. Neither I, my wife, my daughter-in-law, my son, nobody freaked out because, uh, a, we were told we were in good shape, but also remember I was 60 when I was diagnosed and I'd had by any measure a remarkable career, nothing about which to be sad. I wasn't ready to check out, but even if the doctors had said, you know, you might go home and get your stuff in order because this is, this is not going to get any better. Well, so be it. I would have had, you know, I had great insurance. My wife was going to be fine, all of that, but that's not what they said. Moreover, I had had so many, I mean, innumerable opportunities to be with sick children and their parents in hospitals on the phone uh yeah. talk a child wants to talk to Raphael or he wants to talk to Yakko or sometimes mom and dad want to talk to Pinky and then hand the phone over and Raphael wants to talk um <laughs> it was never not remarkable and and life altering uh talk about perspective um i had had these wonderful teachers in the guise of these children suffering from diabolical diseases and their parents, heartbroken parents. And often the parents would keep in touch with me after their children didn't make it and thank me for being part of their children's life or thanking me that Raphael showed up or whatever. I, 
I don't even know how to how to quantify that compliment. Right. Uh, so it gave me a real perspective on what how how really difficult my circumstance could have been. It could have been my little boy that was in that room, but it wasn't. Uh, so I sucked it up, and I have great doctors. It nothing happened to me that wasn't expected. It was very uncomfortable. Um, I, I went through a really difficult period for a couple of months. Um, I couldn't taste food for about two years afterward. Um, I lost 50 pounds, which I didn't have to lose. Um, it was brutal, but it worked beautifully. And since I had my treatments, some of the techniques had changed even more and it's less onerous now, less impactful physically. Um, the emotional aspects of it were pretty intense. I wasn't sure whether or not I'd be able to do my job at the same level afterward, and neither were the doctors. Their job was to save my life. They said, you'll be able to speak because the tumor is not on your, your vocal cord, but you know, you'll be able to speak whether or not you can sing and do all those you know, vocal gymnastics at the same level. We don't know. Um, right. But God bless them. They did an incredible job. It worked out great. Uh, I got to do Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain after I got done with cancer and no one was any the wiser, which speaks volumes for the expertise of my doctors. And um, man, I had so many people in my corner. Once they found out I was dealing with it, I, I could not have asked for more support. And of course, my family was, they were all rock stars. But um, yeah. I'm so glad you asked because it, now I'm in a position where people might be listening to this and they'll say, Hey, you know, my uncle Bob is, was just diagnosed with the same thing. Rob Paulson had uncle Bob, you got to listen to this, listen to this guy. Joe is talking to Ron Pullman. I don't know who he is, but all I know is, <laughs> you know, how you turned me on to pinky in the brain when you were in college, uncle Bob, this guy, Rob Paulson is doing pinky in the brain again, after being treated for the same kind of cancer you have, you're going to handle this, man, you're going to be okay. And that's why it's important that you're doing this, Joe. And I so appreciate it. Thank you for sharing that, Rob. You know, it's, it's, there's so, I would say in a time where it feels like things are tense and they are oh, they and are. divided yeah. and they are, I think it's, it's important to remember that everybody is going through their own shit. Shit. And capital S baby. No kidding. Yeah. Right. And we are all doing the best we can and, and sometimes it takes a lot for someone to even say, hey, I've got cancer, yeah. right? And then to be able to provide that support system and structure to, to build them up and lift them up and get them what they need is critical. Absolutely. So thank you for sharing that. If if somebody is maybe listening, right, and they're they're approaching, let's, let's do, if they're approaching the situation um, where maybe they have cancer or perhaps someone that they're very close to has just been diagnosed, What's maybe something that was a mantra or a piece of advice that kind of kept you motivated um, during the process? I think it's important to recognize that uh, this, the cancer patient is not the only person who's struggling. I, mm. If I had to go through it again, I would be much more inclined to be more open and, and wanting my family, or, or rather allowing my family to help me more. Um, I was very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I was absolutely, uh, 
committed to doing as much on my own as I could. I think to prove to myself that I could handle it, driving myself to radiation treatments, not complaining, um, telling my wife, yeah, no, I'm doing fine when I wasn't. And I think that that really, it was not fair to the people who love me uh, that I didn't let them in more. I didn't cut everybody off. I just was trying to be a tough guy. And I was, I was good. I, I, but, but my family needed to be more involved and it was I who kept them from being as involved as they, as they could have been. And I think it would have been a hell of a lot easier on me as well. Right. So I think it's important as much as the cancer patient is the one who's the focus of, um, of everyone's attention, understandably, it's important to, to remember that it isn't just about you. You're the one who's going to be treated and hopefully cured, but people love you. They, they lose sleep. They can't eat. They don't know what the hell's going to happen. What if, what if dad goes away? What if he doesn't make it? How am I going to go on? It's, it's really important to let people who love you in and, and let them do for you what they, what they can, because it makes them feel, uh, uh, and they are helping. They're making a difference. People need to feel needed. And I think that that is uh, something that I, I could have done much better at. Well said, and I think it is easy to to want to almost kind of do it do it yourself and and trudge through, yeah. and then it's it's but it but to your point, you have that community of support. You have people that want to help and want to love and absolutely and, well are loving, but want to be able to do more and feel like they're there and they're helping right in right. in some way. So. That's incredible. Now, you wrote a book, Voice Lessons, How a Couple of Ninja Turtles, Pinky, and an Animaniac Saved My Life. That's right. So this is, so this sure is about <laughs> how, um, what was your, so obviously this experience was very intense and, and powerful. And then coming out of it on the other side and being able to still do what you do with such skill is incredible. So what was your... Um, what made you think like, hey, let's actually put this in a book so that way people can access it on demand? Great. Uh, what happened was that uh, I had had lovely, well-meaning fans for years ask me, you should write a book. Look at this career you've had and blah, blah, blah. And it's, of course, incredibly flattering that people do that. But I thought, you know, the last thing the world needs, Joe, is a celebrity memoir by a non-celebrity. And again, it's not false modesty. I'm good at my job. Jesus, I ought to be. Uh, sure. But, but um, once I had a deal with throat cancer, uh, and specifically because it was throat cancer, I, um, I had a story, an important story. And because I got through it and I was able to go back to work, uh, I... I had a story that might be of help to people who themselves were struggling and I could give them chapter and verse about how I went through it, what it was like, the ways in which it affected my work, my life, my health, my outlook, my perspective. Um, it was something I could totally um, get behind and it was important uh, to me and to the extent it makes sense to others, them too. Um, so I got a book deal. 
I had my co-writer, Mike Fleeman, did all the heavy lifting. And it's turned out to be, I think, a pretty good book. Um, it's not a bestseller. I never intended that to be. It's It goes to the people who need it. And it's I think it's funny. It's um, heartfelt. I didn't pull any punches. I told people about difficult times in my life, my career, um, which are utterly human and ways we, things to which we can all, um, with which we can all relate or to which we can all relate. Um, I think it carries a little more zip because I've had the good fortune of doing so many well-known characters that uh, there's an interesting way to tell a story and, and the characters show up, especially in the audio book. I did my own audio book and, you know, Yakko shows up, awesome. Pinky shows up and it's really kind of fun. Um, but it, that's how that happened. And I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity. I love it. Well, as we're starting to wrap up, what are some uh, future projects that people can keep their eyes and ears open for that you're working on? Oh, gosh. Well, season three of Animaniacs comes out this fall on Hulu. Um, Excellent. Seasons one and two are already there, of course. Um, yep. I'm working on a really fun project. I, I think it's for Hulu as well, called uh, Fright Crew. That's a horror cartoon, horror humor cartoon. I'm really looking forward to that. That won't be out until probably 23. Fright Crew. Okay. Um, I'm uh, doing some... Um, just did a really fun table read for a show called Bad Crimes for Netflix uh, with a great cast, Peter McNichol, Benjamin Bratt, Lauren Lapkus, great, great people. Angelie Bimani from uh, Overwatch, uh, uh, Gary Anthony Williams, really good at, good people. Um, yeah. And a couple things that um, are uh, under NDA that I can't really talk about, but sure, still, sure. you know, and I'm doing a lot of uh, personal appearances, going to cons everywhere. I'm actually putting up a, a brand new website. I'm really excited that after 20, after 30 years and 2,500 hours of animation, I've been asked by many actors um, if I coach, do private coaching. And I started doing it. I liked it much more than I thought I would. So I'm going to have a brand new website coming out later this year, which will give people access to private coaching and also just fan meets and greets where people will be able to say, okay, I want to talk to Rob for a half an hour. Here's what it costs. I'll do voices for you. If you want to make a voicemail, people love that stuff. So I'm going to be a lot more interactive with my fans uh, from home because I can, and I'm really yep. looking forward to that. And I love going to conventions. Next week I'll be in Columbus, Ohio. Last week I was in St. Louis. Um, so keep your eyes and ears open. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Yakko Pinky, one word, Y-A-K-K-O-P-I-N-K-Y. Uh, Instagram is Rob underscore Paulson, P-A-U-L-S-E-N. Uh, TikTok is Rob Paulson 311, because that's my birthday, and Rob Paulson was already taken, surprisingly. Uh, <laughs> and Facebook, Rob Paulson Voice Actor. But all those social media areas will let you know where I'm going to be and, and um, stuff like that, and pretty soon they'll, I'll have my own brand new website for autographed pictures and uh, fan events and uh, interactive coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching. And um, so it'll, there's a lot coming up. 
I love it. I may have to look into that coaching. I've always wanted to be a voice narrator Great. of sports documentaries. Very niche, but still very something uh, that's always been on my dream list. So uh, I will have to keep my eye out Good for that site when that goes on. All right, buddy. So I. I love it. All right. Well, we are in the final segment of the episode, and it's things to check out. It's a segment where I invite uh, my guests to share something either they're reading, watching, or listening to, and then I do the same. Uh, so I will go first. Okay. Um, we mentioned so many great things to check out. I just want to reiterate a couple of them. Um, so obviously, uh, if someone is living under a rock or has perhaps not discovered a Goofy movie, please do. Oh. Uh, it's got the incredible hit Eye to Eye on there, um, which uh, Goofy does the the, the perfect cast um, for the hit dance crave, craze of the 90s. So check that out. I've, and Goof Troop, the TV show is also, both of them are on Disney+. Plus. Um, there's also an extremely goofy movie, which I didn't watch as a kid. I watched later. Right. Um, so uh, that, But that is also on Disney+. Plus. Um, and we talked about Rob's book, Voice Lessons, how a couple of Ninja Turtles, Pinky, and an Animaniac saved my life. Um, now, a couple of other additional things that are... Um, that I that are on constant repeat in my house are um, if you're already on Disney Plus watching Goof Troop, Gummy Bears, all the things, um, you could check out Bluey. Uh, it's a cartoon that my kids absolutely love. It's about a family of Australian healer dogs. Um, oh, cool! They go on adventures, and it's it's great. It's great fun. Seven minute episodes. Um, the animation is top notch, so it's great. And then the other show uh, is called Miraculous. Tales of Ladybug and Cat Noir, and that is about uh, two superheroes who don't know each other's secret identities and are in love with uh, the other one. And so um, it's it's great fun. It's based out of Paris, but it's on Netflix and Disney right. Plus. So Disney just acquired the rights to it. So there's all of that. Um, and then I, uh, uh, if you're a, a grown up who likes Batman, uh, I'm listening to uh, Batman Unburied on Spotify. Oh, cool. It's an original podcast and uh, it's an audio drama and it is uh, quite gruesome and quite incredible. Yeah. The the work that they're doing is is top notch. So I like so those are my things to check out. Rob, what are you maybe watching, reading or listening to? Um Long, 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 long time hockey fan from Michigan. I'm watching the Stanley Cup playoffs and um Yep, yep. My stars just I got know, knocked I'm out. I'm so sorry, but uh, boy, what a uh, what a run they had. They did a great job. Right? And, uh, Rick oh. Bob. Thank you. I'll I'll take yeah, all the credit. They, they were so. they were they did a hell of a job. That goaltender, uh, Jack Ottinger, holy god, what a great goal. My god. Um really good. And they're gonna be around for a while. Um I um um yeah, so I'm watching the Stanley Cup playoffs. I really just finished watching something that I just loved called 1883 um, with, oh, with Sam yes. Elliott and um, yes. uh, Tim McGraw and Hill yes. and a new young Australian actress that plays the female lead who is just brilliant. Don't recall her name, but check out 1883. It's a pretty intense, great Western. Really good. Um, and that is on Paramount+. Yes. Plus. As Thank well, you for those who are listening. I'm yep. also watching um, something that's a pretty intense um, with uh, Rupert Friend, uh, and I forgot the young woman who played Mary on on um, uh, Downton Abbey. There is there's a great uh, show oh, on yes. Netflix called Anatomy of a Scandal, and um, yeah, Rupert yes, Friend yes, plays yes. A, uh, a mem an MP, a member of Parliament, who gets involved in a uh, a very um, sorted ro um, uh, romance uh, illicit romance outside of his marriage it's very adult but it's really well acted 
Um, and so I've been watching that. Uh, reading. Uh, Michelle, Michelle Dockery. Michelle thank Dockery. You. That's, that's uh, the... It's, it's really quite good. Um, and uh, I... Uh, oh, and also there's a remake of All Creatures Great and Small on BBC America, which is so good. It's utterly charming. It's for everybody. You can't watch it. You can't not watch it. Or sorry, you can't watch it and not just be charmed by it. It's just just lovely. Um, so between that and I'm I'm traveling so much with my um, with my uh, work uh, conventions and things, I pretty much just catch up on reading online. I'm I'm reading so much about the war in Ukraine and about um, uh, you know the things that are pretty dire i should say i i watch these things on television to get my mind off the fact that we have no water that you know eastern europe is on fire um i think i do it because when i read about the the mess in ukraine the violence the the horrible just the horrible experience what mm -hmm. those incredibly brave and i just can't imagine but it it at least I'm paying attention to something that's out of my own private, wonderful world. The biggest problem I have in my life right now is we don't have much water. I'll figure it out. Um, to be in a circumstance in which people my mother's age would have to walk miles with everything they own in a paper bag, yeah. have to decide whether or not they should take mm -hmm. a pair of shoes or their precious dog, I, I just can't even imagine so I feel it's like in kind of incumbent upon me to be involved to the extent I can to at least be aware of the suffering that's happening. Every time I snuggle into a warm bed, I'm reminded that you better thank God for what you've got, my friend, because there are people right now who aren't going to wake up next morning. And um, I, I, it's happening right as we speak. So that is pretty, pretty deep and pretty intense, but it's it's something I feel I just kind of need to be kept up on. So anyway, I didn't mean to end on a doubter, but that's what's going on. No, no. I mean, well, it's a good reminder, right? That it's kind of what we talked about earlier is that, you know, it the there's so right. much going on in the world that we need to remember that everybody either where you can see it or you can't is going yes. through their own shit. And we need to where we can take the time to to be to try and be right. kind to one another to work towards making a more inclusive world and try That's and listen job. to each other and just you know use what we can to to bring ourselves together while other people are Amen. trying to divide things. That's what that's that's our job. So I love it. Well, Rob, you already talked about where people can follow you. So at Yakko Pinky on Twitter at Rob underscore Paulson on Instagram at Rob Paulson 311 on TikTok at Rob Paulson uh, voice actor on Facebook. You've got a new website coming out later this year. Um, it's going to be awesome. Rob, thank you so much for being on the show. It's been absolute pleasure. You've made young Joe from the past and current. Oh, thank Joe you, Joe. Just for that, you get free tickets to the water tower. And um, I'm, Thank you. And please tell your sweet wife that Gusto says she has excellent taste in gummy bears. Will Thank do. you very much, pal. It was my pleasure. Will do. You're welcome. Well, listeners, you've been detoxing with detox. Now go and make a more inclusive world. If you know of an interesting person or story that needs to be told, please reach out to me at detoxpodcast at gmail.com. 
That's D-T-A-L-K-S podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach out via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Detox Podcast or visit DetoxPodcast.com. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes if you like the show. It only takes a few seconds and it really helps us out. Link is in the show notes. Finally, thanks for listening. Please come back next week when we'll have another interesting conversation. And special thanks to my producers, Ben Lawant and Galan Aldaco. Without your help and support, this show wouldn't be possible. Thanks so much, guys. Detox is a production of Vocal. For more information and more programming, please visit vocalnow.com. That's V-O-K-A-L-N-O-W.com.